Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue through the book of Jeremiah and we are venturing into the final two chapters with Jeremiah 51 and 52 today and this is the the final ending of the warnings and prophecies of the prophet Jeremiah and we ended the last chapter it was the judgment that was coming for Babylon which like we talked about was a two-horizon prophecy. It was a prophecy for the Babylon that was currently in front of them that took over Jerusalem and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, as well as the future Babylon, the anti-God world system that will be taken down when Jesus returns and evil is bound once and for all by our Lord and Savior. And we're going to continue with that coming judgment on Babylon in chapter 51, verse 1. This is what the Lord says, I will stir up a destroyer against Babylon and the people of Babylonia. Foreigners will come and winnow her, blowing her away as chaff. They will come from every side to rise against her in her day of trouble. Don't let the archers put on their armor or draw their bows. Don't spare even her best soldiers. Let her army be completely destroyed. They will fall dead in the land of the Babylonians, slashed to death in her streets. For the Lord of heaven's armies has not abandoned Israel and Judah. He is still their God, even though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. Flee from Babylon. Save yourselves. Don't get trapped in her punishment. It is the Lord's time for vengeance. He will repay her in full. Babylon has been a gold cup in the Lord's hand, a cup that made the whole earth drunk. The nations drank Babylon's wine, and it drove them all mad. But suddenly Babylon too has fallen. Weep for her. Give her medicine. Perhaps she can yet be healed. We would have helped her if we could, but nothing can save her now. Let her go. Abandon her. Return now to your own land. For her punishment reaches to the heavens. It is so great it cannot be measured. So remember when the Israelites in Judah were going, when Judah, Israel was taken by um, Assyria, but when Judah was taken into exile by Babylon, Jeremiah told them to pray for Babylon. If Babylon prospers, you will too. And they, they tried. So he's like, look, Perhaps she can be healed. Perhaps we can, or we would have helped her if we could. Like they tried. Jerusalem was told to be a blessing to Babylon while in exile, and they tried. But Babylon is evil, and Babylon would be destroyed. And Babylon is an anti God world system, also. And when we see the nations drank Babylon's wine, a cup made the whole earth drunk with, with the anti God world movement. And it is alive and active today in our world, which we all know all too well. With that, we'll continue. The Lord has vindicated us. Come, let us announce in Jerusalem everything the Lord our God has done. Sharpen the arrows, lift up the shields, for the Lord has inspired the kings of the Medes to march against Babylon and destroy her. This is the vengeance against those who de desecrated his temple. Raise the battle flag against Babylon, reinforce the guard, and station the watchmen. Prepare an ambush, for the Lord will fulfill all his plans against Babylon. You are a city by a great river, a great center of commerce, but your end has come. The thread of your life is cut. The Lord of heaven's armies has taken his, this vow and has sworn to it by his own name. Your cities will be filled with enemies like fields swarming with locusts, and they will shout in triumph over you. So God will appoint judgment to come to Babylon, and he did, and he is again. He will get 
the wrath of God, the judgment of God is coming and sin will be dealt with and wickedness will be stopped and destroyed for eternity. And he instructed, like we talked about, Jeremiah told the people that were going into exile to be a blessing to them, but now judgment was coming. So God appoints Cyrus to open the door for them to get to go home and leave. And God's telling them, leave Babylon, go back to Jerusalem because judgment is about to fall. So get out and get out now. And he allowed them a way out by appointing Cyrus to let them out. And Jeremiah he, he again, he reiterates over and over again, the as we see as we move forward, that worshiping idols and false gods is, is foolish and stupid. And the one and true living God, our Lord, our Messiah, is the only one worth worshiping. And with that, we'll continue in verse 15. As we see the glory and awe of God and who he is. The Lord made the earth by his power and he preserved it by his wisdom. With his own understanding, he stretched out the heavens. When he speaks in th- when he speaks in the thunder, the heavens roar with rain. He causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends the lightning with the rain, and he releases the wind from its storehouses. The whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge. The craftsmen are disgraced by the idols they make, for their for their carefully shaped works are a fraud. Those idols have no breath or power. Idols are worthless. They are ridiculous lies. On the day of reckoning, they will all be destroyed. But the God of Israel is no idol. He is the creator of everything that exists, including his people, his own special possession. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. And then we go switch back over to Babylon's punishment. You are my battle axe and sword, says the Lord. With you, I will shatter nations and destroy many kingdoms. With you, I will shatter armies, destroying the horse and rider, the chariot and charioteer. With you, I will shatter men and women, old people and children, young men and young women. With you, I will shatter shepherds and flocks, farmers and oxen, captains and officers. So here he's saying, look, Babylon's coming down, and this is the mission statement of God. And remember, Babylon was the biggest, baddest nation around, but Babylon is nothing but a tool for God, and God is about ready to pour his judgment on the evil wickedness of Babylon. In verse 24, I will repay Babylon and the people of Babylonia for all the wrong they have done to my people in Jerusalem, says the Lord. Look, O mighty mountain, destroyer of the earth. I am your enemy, says the Lord. I will raise my fist against you to knock you down from the heights. When I am finished, you will be nothing but a heap of burnt rubble. You will be desolate forever. Even your stones will never again be used for building. You will be completely wiped out, says the Lord. Raise a signal flag to the nations. Sound the cry of battle. Mobilize them all against Babylon. Prepare them to fight against her. Bring out the armies of Ararat, Mini, and Ashkenaz. Appoint a commander and bring a multitude of horses like swarming locusts. Bring against her the armies of the nations, led by the kings of the Medes and all their captains and officers. The earth trembles and writhes in pain, for everything the Lord has planned against Babylon stands unchanged. Babylon will be left desolate without a single inhabitant. Her mightiest warriors will no longer fight. They stay in their barracks. Their courage is gone. They have become like women. The invaders have burned the houses and broken down the city gates. The news is passed from one runner to the next. And when you think about that, how quickly messages are passed and how the news the news is going to be passed quickly when the eternal destruction of Babylon comes. If you think about our 
our um, technology and how quickly a message gets out today, it just fits so in like the reality of it. And he says, there's, there's a real opposition coming against you, you evil wickedness. And it's God and nothing can stand against God. If you are opposed to God, he will not let you, you or any nation stop his plan to restore all of creation. All of creation is going to be restored by the hand of God. And he is coming to bring his restoration. In verse 31, we'll continue with that. As the news is passed from one runner to the next, all the messengers hurry to tell the king that his city has been captured. All the escape routes are blocked. The marshes have been set aflame and the army is in a panic. And this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, Babylon is like a wheat on a threshing floor about to be trampled. In just a little while, her harvest will begin. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has eaten and crushed us and drained us of strength. He has swallowed us like a great monster and has filled his belly with our riches. He has thrown us out of our own country. Make Babylon suffer as she has made us suffer, says the people of Zion. Make the people of Babylonia pay for spilling our blood, says Jerusalem. And again, this is the current and the future. The people of Israel being redeemed, the people of Judah being redeemed, and our future Lord and Savior coming and redeeming us all from the evil and wickedness that we currently live in on earth. It will be detained. It will be taken over by the Lord our God. He is strong and he is coming. And he will bring righteousness. He will bring restoration. He will bring cleansing and he will bring complete, complete restitution for us. And the, the, the focus is on God's victory. This is God bringing the victory because God is victorious. And if we choose God as our Lord and Savior, if we choose to put our faith and trust and submit to Jesus, we are on the victory team. We are on, we are on the winning side. In verse 36, this is what the Lord says to Jerusalem. I will be your lawyer to plead your case and I will avenge you. I will dry up her river as well as her springs and Babylon will become a heap of ruins haunted by jackals. She will be an object of horror and contempt, a place where no one lives. Her people will roar together like strong lions. They will growl like lion cubs. And while they lie inflamed with all their wine, I will prepare a different kind of feast for them. I will make them drink until they fall asleep, and they will never wake up again, says the Lord. He's using words for eternity here. They will never wake up again. Evil and Satan and wickedness, it will all be bound. Verse 40, I will bring them down like lambs to the slaughter, like rams and goats to be sacrificed. How Babylon is fallen, great Babylon, praised throughout the earth. Now she has become an object of horror among the nations. The sea has risen over Babylon. She is covered by its crashing waves. Her cities now lie in ruins. She is a dry wasteland where no one where no one lives or even passes by. And I will punish Bel, the god of Babylon, and make him vomit up all that he has eaten. The nations will no longer come and worship him. The wall of Babylon has fallen. So Bel was a god that Babylon worshipped, and, and Bel was a god that was masqueraded around as god. And they they treated this Bel as if it was god, but it is not. It's a false god, a false idol, and God's saying, look, even your false god is going to be destroyed because it's he's not a god at all. God is the one and only true god. And they will be repaid for the suffering in in verse 45, we'll continue. And this is a message for the exiles. Come out, my people. Flee from Babylon. Save yourselves. Run from the Lord's fierce anger. 
But do not panic. Don't be afraid. When you hear the first rumor of approaching forces, for rumors will keep coming year by year, violence will erupt in the land as the leaders fight against each other. For the time is surely coming when I will punish this great city and all her idols. The whole land will be disgraced and her dead will lie in the streets. Then the heavens and earth will rejoice, for out of the north will come destroying armies against Babylon, says the Lord. Just as Babylon killed the people of Israel and others throughout the world, so must her people be killed. Get out, all of you who have escaped by the sword. Do not stand and watch. Flee while you can. Remember the Lord, though you are in a far-off land, and think about your home in Jerusalem. We are ashamed, the people say. We are insulted and disgraced because the Lord's temple has been defiled by foreigners. Yes, says the Lord, but the time is coming when I will destroy Babylon's idols. The groans of her wounded people will be heard throughout the land. Though Babylon reaches as high as the heavens and makes her fortifications incredibly strong, I will send enemies to plunder her. I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen, hear the cry of Babylon, the sound of great destruction from the land of the Babylonians. For the Lord is destroying Babylon. He will silence her loud voice. Waves of enemies pound against her, and the noise of the battle rings through the city. Destroying armies come against Babylon, and her mighty men are captured, and their weapons break in their hands. For the Lord is a God who gives just, just punishment. He always repays in full. I will make her officials and wise men drunk, along with her captains, officers, and warriors. They will fall asleep and never wake up again, says the king, whose name is the Lord of Heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The thick walls of Babylon will be leveled to the ground, and her massive gates will be burned. The builders from many lands have worked in vain, for their work will all be destroyed by fire. So Babylon comes to ruins, and... The, the exiles, they felt disgrace before the world because of what happened in Jerusalem and because of the temple being destroyed. But God made it clear that there's no future for Babylon. He is going to destroy the city. And the people who are in Babylon, he keeps telling them to flee, get out, or else they will suffer the same fate. But they need to run and return home. And this will be the beginning, the new beginning under the blessing of God. And they can walk by faith in God, trusting God's word and that he will be with them. And with that, we'll continue in verse 59. The prophet Jeremiah gave this message to Sariah, the son of Neriah, the grandson of Mahesa, a staff officer, when Sariah went to Babylon with King Zedekiah of Judah. This was during the fourth year of Zedekiah's reign. Jeremiah had recorded a on a scroll, all the terrible disasters that would soon come along Babylon. All the words written here. He said to Sariah, when you get to Babylon, read aloud everything on the scroll. Then say, Lord, you have said that you will destroy Babylon so that neither people nor animals will remain here. She will lie empty and abandoned forever. When you have finished reading the scroll, tie it to a stone and throw it in the Euphrates River. Then say, in this same way, Babylon and her people will sink never again to rise because of the disasters I will bring upon her. And this ends the and this is the end of Jeremiah's message. So a quick note, Sariah was the grandson of the high priest Hilkiah, who was the one who found the lost books of the law during Josiah's reign when Josiah tried to bring God's word back into the nation and cleanse the nation of the evil sin that they had been committing before God when he read the the books of the Bible that had been written on those scrolls. 
And then with that, we'll continue into the final summary chapter, 52. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother was Hemutal, the daughter of Jeremiah from Libna. But Zedekiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as Jehoiakim had done. These things happened because of the Lord's anger against the people of Jerusalem and Judah, until he finally banished them from his presence and sent them into exile. Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon, so on January 15th, during the ninth year, of Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon led his entire army against Jerusalem. They surrounded the city and built siege ramps against its walls. Jerusalem was kept under siege until the 11th year of King Zedekiah's reign. By July 18th, in the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign, the famine in the city had become very severe, and the last of the food was entirely gone. Then a section of the city wall was broken down and all the soldiers fled. Since the city was surrounded by Babylonians, they waited for nightfall. Then they slipped through the gate between the two wells behind the king's garden and headed toward the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian troops chased King Zedekiah and overtook him on the plains of Jericho, for his men had all deserted him and scattered. They captured the king and took him to the king of Babylon at Riblah in the land of Hamath. There the king of Babylon pronounced judgment on Zedekiah. The king of Babylon made Zedekiah watch as he slaughtered his sons. He also slaughtered all of the officials of Judah and Riblah. Then he gouged out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him in bronze chains, and the king of Babylon led him away to Babylon. Zedekiah remained there in prison until the day of his death, and Ezekiel twelve thirteen actually prophesied that this would happen. But Zedekiah didn't believe him. In verse 12, on August 17th of that year, which was the 19th year of King Zedekiah, Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard and an official of the Babylonian king, arrived in Jerusalem. He burnt down the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. He destroyed all the important buildings in the city, and then he supervised the entire Babylonian army as they tore down the walls of Jerusalem on every side. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, took as exiles some of the poorest of the people, the rest of the people who remained in the city, the defectors who had who had declared their allegiance to the king of Babylon and the rest of the craftsmen. But Nebuzadran allowed some of the poorest people to stay behind to care for the vineyards and the fields. The Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars in front of the Lord's temple, the bronze water carts, and the great bronze basin called the sea. And they carried all the bronze away to Babylon. They also took all the ash buckets, shovels, lamp snuffers, basins, dishes, and all the other bronze articles used for making sacrifices at the temple. The captain of the guard also took small bowls, incense burners, basins, pots, lampstands, ladles, bowls used for liquid offerings, and all the other, uh, other articles made of pure gold or silver. The weight of the bronze from the two pillars, the sea with the twelve bronze oxen beneath it, and the water carts was too great to be measured. These things had been made for the Lord's temple in the day of King Solomon. Each of the pillars was twenty-seven feet tall and eighteen feet in circumference. They were hollow, with walls three inches thick. The bronze capital at the top of each pillar was seven and a half, half feet high, and was decorated with a network of bronze pomegranates all the way around, there were 96 pomegranates on the sides and a total of 100 pomegranates on the network around the top. Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, took with him as prisoners Sariah, the high priest, Zephaniah, the priest of the second rank, and the three chief 
gatekeepers. And from among the people still hiding in the city, he took an officer who had been in charge of the Judean army. Seven of the king's personal advisors, the army commander's chief secretary, who was in charge of the recruitment, and 60 other citizens. Nebuzadran, the captain of the guard, took them all to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And there at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, the king of Babylon had them all put to death. So the people of Judah were sent into exile from their land. The number of captives taken to Babylon in the seventh year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign was 3,023. Then in Nebuchadnezzar's 18th year, he took 832 more. In Nebuchadnezzar's 23rd year, he sent Nebuzaram, the, ca- the captain of the guard, who took 745 more, a total of 4,600 captives in all. In the 37th year of the exile of King Jehoiakim of Judah, evil Merodach ascended to the Babylonian throne. He was kind to Jehoiakim and released him from prison on March 31st of that year. He spoke kindly to Jehoiakim and gave him a higher place than all the other exiled kings in Babylon. He supplied Jehoiakim with new clothes to replace his prison garb and allowed him to dine in the king's presence for the rest of his life. So the Babylonian king gave him a regular food allowance as long as he lived, and this continued until the day of his death. So there's a hope for Israel's royal line in this last chapter. The last, the last verses of the last chapter of the book of Jeremiah is a, is a, is a verses of hope. There's hope for the royal line. The covenant comes through David's lineage and it's connected to King Jehoiakim. So we have hope for the the future and he foreshadows hope for the future Messiah. He is redeemed and saved and continues the king's line, which is preserved here for the coming forth of David. And he foreshadows and and points to the coming new covenant that will come through King David. And Jeremiah died an old man, likely in Egypt. And he, like, like Moses, we don't know where he is buried, but God's word endures forever. And in difficult days, we need to hear and heed the word of God. God's word is unchanging and eternal. And Judah had sinned its way into trouble and judgment. And they thought they could negotiate their way out, but negotiation doesn't work. Only repentance works in submitting your life to Jesus. What they needed was faith in God and in his word and obedience to his will. And if they had confessed their sins and turned to God and submitted to Nebuchadnezzar, like God asked them to, they would have saved their lives, their temple and their city, but they refused. And true prophets of God are usually persecuted. And we're going to see that through the scriptures as we continue that God's people face persecution and parts of people who are evil and sinning. They want to resist and not repent. And they want peace, but they don't want to have to do anything to gain that peace. And they refuse to believe. And true patriotism isn't blind to sin. We need to be honest about our lives and repent and turn to Christ. And sin is sin. We all sin. We all blow it, but we can repent and Jesus will cleanse us. Before we can even finish blinking, he has already forgiven us. He wants to forgive us before we ever ask for his forgiveness. And God's servants will occasionally have doubts and need confirmation from God. And that is okay. God understands us. He knows our hearts. He knows our desires. And if we're chasing after God with all our guts, he will He will lead us. He will guide us. And he will get us where he wants us to be in our lives for his purpose and his glory. And 
faithfulness is more important than success. And Jeremiah was faithful through and through. And the greatest part was he was walking forward in faith, following the the lead of God. And (laughs) sorry, God is in control. He is sovereign and he desires to forgive us and bless us. All we have to do is turn to him and repent and let him lead us, let him guide us. And with that, we are through the book of Jeremiah. Thanks, y'all. I hope you're having a great day.